Welcome to NM Radio, and this week we talk to Adam McMillan, who's playing one of my favourite pieces in the whole piano literature, the Barcarolle, composed in 1845 by Frédéric Chopin. Hi, Adam. Hi, Phil. Thanks very much for having me. You're very welcome. Now, Adam, I was surprised to learn that Chopin never visited Venice, and I guess I should start by saying a barcarolle is a Venetian gondola song. So I was surprised that Chopin never actually, in all his travels, never visited Venice. I'm interested to know where you think the inspiration for this piece might have come. Yeah, it's quite curious, isn't it? I think there's a few possibilities there. I think that him being quite an opera lover, there was some use of the Barcarolle style in some of the arias by Rossini and Donizetti, I believe. So it could have come a bit from there. And Mendelssohn wrote a Venetian boat song in his sort of catalogue of songs without words. So he would have known that piece as well. So it could have been something like that, I think. I have a feeling it's both of those things, Adam. Uh, The Barcarolle was certainly popular in opera at the time. This is my ignorance, but I was surprised to learn that Mendelssohn actually has three Venetian gondola songs amongst the songs without words, but there's one in particular. It's the middle one in G minor from the Opus 30 set, which I think shares the same character, if you like, as Chopin's, and also, interestingly, the same tempo marking. It's Allegretto, although Mendelssohn makes it Allegretto Tranquillo. But, of course, Chopin takes it to a whole other level. Tell us your feelings about the piece itself. This is one of those pieces that I just love to play, and I I think I learnt it first in about 2013. It's really nice to come back to a piece over and over, and this has been one of those pieces that has been that for me. It just really carries you away when you listen to it, and it sort of develops through all of this changing territory, and you just kind of feel like you're in a dream the whole time. That's what it's like for me. This is something Chopin does that Mendelssohn doesn't do because Mendelssohn's is a much shorter piece, but Chopin's really does travel through quite a number of different states. Could you outline those for us? Well, first of all, there's this um, really spectacular opening (laughs) that starts with this booming uh, left-hand octave, which really sets the scene. And then we start with a really simple melody. And that's really common in Chopin to start with the melody kind of unornamented. And then kind of every time he brings that melody back throughout the piece, it's always a bit more grand and a bit more, you know, fleshed out. Yeah, so we kind of expand on that theme for a while and then we move to this really special kind of middle section that starts in A major and it just has this really arresting quality and that's kind of where I find things get really interesting in the piece. And I'll I'll just point out here that he starts in F sharp major but then yes, as you say, he moves into A major for the middle section, so please go on. Yeah, exactly. So that does really add to that feeling of being like, oh, we're somewhere really different now. Like this is kind of unusual. And it sort of shifts and changes and moves through different keys. And then there's this really special moment. It's marked, I believe it's Dolce Sfogato. I was going to ask you exactly about that. It's a very unique marking and I'll let the listeners know it comes in your performance at exactly 5 minutes 45 (laughs) seconds. What does Dolce Sfogato mean? Because I think it's unique Mm. in musical literature. I don't know that anyone else ever used this as an expression marking. Yeah, I've definitely never seen it anywhere else. First of all, to kind of take it in two parts, the dolce is often used as sort of sweetly, but um, sfogato 
Yeah, I was looking at that. It comes from, well, the verb sfogare in Italian means to kind of release. And so it's up to interpretation here a little bit. But for me, it's sort of this moment where this melody in the right hand, it is kind of like a release and it sort of kind of just floats. I have a feeling I'm not quite sure, but I think the term might be used more in vocal writing. So for me, what I really hear is this kind of really floated sort of singing sound that yeah, it's just kind of this moment where time sort of stops and it's just this floating feeling. So for me, it's kind of a feeling of floating. You mentioned vocal music and I, I do hear a connection between that passage and the very intricate coloratura that we mm. hear from great singers like Joan Sutherland and mm. like Maria Callas. Mm. when they're using the very, very finest thread of their voice. And I, yeah. I'm absolutely sure that that's what Chopin was alluding yeah. to here. All right, so we've sorted out Dolce's Fogato. <laughs> now, you talked about how every time he brings the theme back, he sort of adds to it. And Chopin mm. does build up the texture in this piece, doesn't he? It has a very yeah. lush texture for Chopin. How do you balance it all? Yeah, that is um, really important in Chopin, especially that the thicker and thicker the texture gets, you still have to keep that sense of delicacy that is really kind of stylistically important for Chopin. And as the piece goes on, it, it gets more challenging to do. But bringing it back to the vocal sort of style of things, you can never really go wrong with trying to focus on having one singing line and then having all of the kind of harmonic accompaniment be a little bit more in the background. Uh, actually, I had a lesson on this piece with Imogen Cooper leading up to this recital, and that was kind of the main thing that she wanted to talk about is you need to really focus on your voicing and choose what line you are pointing out, like really be deliberate about it. So yeah, it's very important. And of course, the challenge is there's so much going on towards the end of that piece. Yeah. But look, I think you play it beautifully. Now, I want Thank to you. praise you for one moment. There's a beautiful pause right before the coda, and it comes in at mm. your performance at 6 minutes 51 seconds. And listening to many, many versions, as I have over the years, I'm always surprised how many pianists, even some very, very great ones, fail to use that moment. It's a wonderful moment of suspense, mm. but you absolutely nail it as far as I'm concerned. So thank, oh, thank you for you. that. You know the moment I mean. Yes, yeah, I do. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> so Adam, thank you for your performance and thanks for talking to us. Thank you so much, Phil. It's been a pleasure.